So that was one of the sessions where I didn't get killed by Yarl. <gasps> oh, well, come That's on, unusual. <laughs> Listen, it's not that bad. <laughs> State of Survival Podcast, bringing you survival game news. Hello and welcome everyone into the State of Survival Podcast, episode 11. I am so happy to have you all here. Today, we're going to be talking about... Give me a second. There you go. We're going to be talking about server owners of DayZ and the entire community. But before we get into that, let's go ahead and talk about our staff members. Yarl, what's up, man? Not much. Uh, we're going to be continuing. I'm down to one car still. Uh, took the car into the mechanic, found out that the alternator was messed up, but that's because the seal broke in the engine and it spewed oil all over it. So uh, tomorrow, unfortunately, there won't be any Death of the Deities, uh, which is our Dungeons & Dragons game, just because I'm the taxi for the entire family. I even have a really cool driving hat. Uh, but after that Thursday, we're going to be doing some Sons of the Forest with the gang here and uh, getting ready for uh, next week. Friday, we're going to probably be doing Star Trek Resurgence or we're going to be doing some more fall modded Fallout. And then Saturday mornings, Fallout Aurora and then uh, Space Engineers. Wow. Even though you sound like you're a taxi, you've got quite a busy day or days. Yes. <laughs> uh, putting in two or three hours a day on the old car. Hopefully everything goes well, and that cart doesn't have problems itself. Fingers crossed, right? But let's go ahead and talk to Red. Red, what's up, man? Oh, busy, busy. Um, had a uh, a big update on the Red Falcon flight system helis mod. So added uh, two more helicopter models, one uh, Huey uh, variant. Um, introduced the free walk feature that lets you walk around inside the bigger helicopters while they're flying. Um, with some mixed results, I've got some a few reports of issues, but we're working through those, usually mod uh, uh, conflicts. And uh, yeah, overall, that's just going well. So we'll pivot after that back to boats and put a couple new boat models in and then we'll see where we go from there. Hopefully it's a that lot safer like to move point. around in a Huey than it is an RV. Am I right, Dump? <laughs> uh... Oh, wait, I'm the one that died. Damn. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one that got up. RV has holes in it, folks. So, you know, you all fell down with the holes. Save my life. That was, uh, <laughs> so that was one of the sessions where I didn't get killed by Jarl. Oh, oh. Well, come That's on. That's unusual. <laughs> Listen, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's just become a thing now where when I'm ready to log off, I'm just going to kneel down and say, Yarl. Listen, if you're getting naked, <laughs> I'm going to do it. If you're giving us your gear, I got to do it now for Gumby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So what about you, Dumpgraw? What's going on, man? Well, I actually just got done uh, coming back from visiting with my in-laws and everything else. And it was a fun and enjoyable time. I will have to say it is my first time visiting my parents' house since my father died a year ago. But the family was in mostly good spirits and we were able to have a fun barbecue for one of my nephew's girlfriend's birthday party or whatever, hot dogs, burgers, you name it. And we just all laughed and chuckled about old stories and silly things we did. On the way up, 
home, we actually got to stop at a chocolatier place and got to uh, get some real delicious sweets. I think mine was, uh, they make a Rocky Road bar, but it has uh, a thin line of like marshmallow in it. So like when you bite into it, it's almost like a wannabe Charleston chew, but it's pretty good. Um, then, you know, came up here and uh, was able to pump out some really cool things. Like yesterday, we put out episode two's highlights. As promised, folks, we'll be putting out highlights every Monday before the podcast from here on out. So that's pretty much what's going on with me. But let's go ahead and talk about today's episode and why the hell are you guys here and why the hell are we standing here? Well, we're going to be talking about Daisy's server owners and why do they host servers? What makes a person go, hey, I love Daisy so much, I literally want to throw money at the wall and possibly make a server that people might enjoy? Or what makes a person actually want to play on these kind of servers that server owners are hosting for them? But we're going to get into that in just a quick second. So, before we go ahead and jump into the server owners themselves, let's go ahead and talk about our la on live stream this last Thursday. We ended up playing on the Karma Cruise servers, but before we get too much into what we did on the Karma Cruise servers, let's go and talk about how difficult or how easy it was to join on these servers with our uh, with connection problems. Yarl, we uh, we had Dimension One One Nine playing with us. This was his first time playing Daisy, let alone playing a Daisy, a Daisy modded server, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Now this was an interesting thing, and it kind of pointed to that there are some issues with the vanilla launcher overall. One, I believe Dimension was having trouble finding the server at first because I unfortunately joined a little bit later. But Yarl, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what was going on with Dimension 119 and his first try getting into a DayZ game? Well, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the user interface is just not very intuitive. Um, at first it was, oh, well, uh, I can't find the server, but he just had to give it time. I don't think he realized like how many servers there are, uh, but he ended up finding it. Then he couldn't figure out how to download the mods because, again, it's it's not very intuitive, even though the mod will tell you, hey, if you have an error, go here, here, here. But for somebody who's not familiar with the interface, it's just not not super intuitive. Once he finally found that tab and did all of that, it then informed him he needed a profile name for the server. So he had to go back and figure out how to do that. And uh, it took him probably 10 or 15 minutes to get everything situated and up to go. But... Uh, it did make me ponder if if this was your first time downloading Daisy and you want to join a a server, could the server lobby interface be better so that people who don't have friends with them or who are getting ready to go to YouTube to watch videos could easily find their way? Oh, definitely. That is definitely very interesting. And, you know, just a fun fact, folks, that there are over 23,000 servers mm -hmm. on PC. And that's just in the local ping area of like, I think up to like 800 uh, milliseconds uh, ping wise. So can you imagine some of the servers that have really crappy internet, how many more of those there are? Uh, and you know, it, it was interesting that you talk about that the launcher itself wasn't very intuitive. And that's actually something we hear a lot about it. Now folks, our friend Dimension 119 was lucky enough to have Yarl there. And then I shortly, I shortly came in and so did Red to help make this a little bit easier. But can you folks imagine 
first time booting up Daisy, you just bought it, you've watched your favorite streamers, content creators, and you're going to go play on a modded server. You run into all these issues. Now, I will say, joining official servers through the vanilla launcher is a breeze. No issues there. However, I do feel that because a large part of the communities do play on modded servers, maybe having better notes or little you know, tabs or explanations of how things work might be more beneficial for our new players coming into DayZ. Kind of plays into an episode we had a little while ago, How Hard Is DayZ For Bambies? And I believe that uh, jumping in is quite problematic. My, my um, idea behind fixing that is if you find the server in your server list and you click on it, have a drop down below the search window that says, do you want to install mods for this server? You could click checkbox profile name for this. Have it where you could fill it all right there. And it should be foolproof after that. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. Oh, well, let's just see. I see a profile name needs to be renamed to a game name. Too many survivors with survivor name. Mm -hmm. That is 100% correct, folks. When you join a server without sending your profile name, you are called survivor. And then every person after you is called survivor one, survivor two, survivor three. Yak, yak, yak. I think, honestly, when you boot up your da uh, Daisy launcher, it should immediately go. You have not a set a survivor name. So you set a survivor name. Right. I guarantee you, no gamer would go, I hate this feature. Because every gamer loves being uniquely identified. Um, and that's The, the really other cool thing button. they could do, too, on that is just have a profile button. So when you click on your profile, not only can you change your profile name, but you could select which custom character or even design your custom character there in the same menu. It seems like that there's... It's not hard to find this stuff if you know what you're doing. But the fact that there's four different things that could be compiled in one location might make it easier. Well, you're totally right. And the thing is, is the profile name is under parameters. I think when I see a parameter on a launcher, I think settings for the launcher. I don't right. think in-game settings. Now, if I was back in 2010, 2000, because I'm an older asshole, I definitely would think that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say in defense of the launcher, I think part of the reason why Dimension was having a hard time finding the server in the first place is we're West Coast and the ping is 220 in our area. Our ping to that particular server. Uh, he was East Coast and it was worse. So it could have had a lot to do with that. Sometimes when you see a server with high ping, you got to pay attention. Uh, we got another comment from Nathan Martin. For vanilla, it's kind of never uh, been needed. They should address community being a huge part, if not the biggest. I agree. I agree with that 100%, especially since the standalone of DayZ was based off of the Arma DayZ mod. But while we were playing the DayZ mod, there were other versions of DayZ we were playing in that, like Epoch. It should have been something that, that should have been addressed, if not immediately, within the last 10 years. But... It's not the worst lobby system I've ever seen. <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, and that, that's definitely interesting about all of these factors because there's so much for us to discuss and talk about. Um, but how did it feel actually showing how the game actually worked uh, to Dimension? You know, Red Falcon and I actually got to show him a lot because we ran into each other really early. And, you know... I really forgot how, as long as you're shown how to make the items and why to make the items, it's kind of, it feels natural 
you're you don't have to build a workbench or craft anything complicated it's go get bark you know the diff most difficult thing is the inventory system but the moment that i told dimension it's a lot like diablo he, he just got it imagine diablo if it was a survival game where you had to pull components out to combine them uh he caught on pretty quick i mean within one life but we had the blessing of being in a position where we were to teach him how to build a fire how to cook the chickens we were hunting how to take care of your health how did we found a water bottle and i taught him how to dump it on the ground you know fill it up at a pump and he got to fish all in the same session we also didn't have very many rocks and we had to look for him and red falcon found rock alley place was a gold mine <laughs> that's hilarious now you guys uh did end up actually built uh shortly after you guys started cooking those fish right did you really have to bring that up into public okay first of all it wasn't just that we were cooking fish it was that when you died because of the server lag i was like listen dimension nothing goes to waste Cut your friend up. You can get bones. We could turn his guts into rope. Nothing goes to waste. And of course, he's like, I found a skull helmet. I'm like, great, put it on. That That's fantastic. We go back to the fire. He fishes. We're teaching him how to cut fillets and how to build a fire to cook it. And all of a sudden, my chat's like, eat whatever food's in your inventory. And all I had was your meat. Because I was trying to show him that human meat looks very different. So I had to eat your meat, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to hog the fish. Now that I've got Kuru, I might as well go harvest the rest of the body. I get there, and this Bambi comes around the corner with the hammer in their hand as I'm picking up your meat, and I'm like, it's not what it looks like. I, I, <laughs> this is a friend of mine. I promise. It's a friend. He ran up and started attacking me, and I'm like, uh, guys, I got somebody really mad behind me, and he's kicking my butt, and then we're fist fighting. Red goes, oh, dang, I'm not going to eat my fish right now. I'm going to go help Jarl. So he runs up and starts helping. Meanwhile, Dimension's like, okay, have fun, guys. La-dee-dee-dee, la-dee-da-dee-da. And watched me get KO'd by this guy. Watched Red get KO'd by the same guy. And then the guy turns towards Dimension, and he's like, oh, yeah. I should have been part of that fight because I don't know what I'm doing. And he KO'd. That Bambi must have felt so good killing three survivors with everything you need for survival axes machetes lighters smash everything you could imagine it was so funny oh my gosh so the reason why i asked about this story folks is because later on i finally get to where they were and i'm letting them know i'm looking for their remains possibly anything i could scalvish from you know what most people do in daisy and i look out in the water where they told me they might be or where their bodies were and there's an axe sticking out of the water, handle all the way up. This is the axe, this is the handle. Literally look like somebody stuck an axe in the stump like you see in most movies and stuff. And I go over and it's stuck in one of their bodies in the water. But it literally looked so epic. I would have to, I'll have to post a picture later. You showed me that, uh, that screenshot and I was laughing my butt off. And I actually showed it to a friend who plays Daisy a lot. And he goes, I know how it happened. So there was a big gunfight one time he was having in a river where there were bodies and he didn't want anybody to get the gun. So he threw it, but the body's sitting there on the water and then the gun lands on them and it like freezes wherever it lands. I'm like, now that makes sense because this Bambi must have been a Van Gogh, like saw Dimension's body and was like, oh, I wonder if I could. Oh, magnificent. It was the most terrifying thing to see just this body floating down the river with an ax sticking out its back. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. But you know what? I want to hear 
how the end of the street went. I did unfortunately have to go early. So tell me about how it went. It actually went well. We traveled really far. We ran up to prison. While we're in prison, I'm telling him, okay, we're going to loot a bunch of stuff. This is going to be great. We're going to get some gear. I showed him how to get under vehicles, showed him how to breach and clear, because I'm trying to teach him those techniques. My chat goes, brave the storm. So I had to stand outside in the rain. I couldn't go inside the prison. And he goes, oh, look at all that. A pump. Wow. Imagine that. Look at all of this stuff. And while he's standing there getting his water at the pump, and I'm just standing out in the rain, I'm like, Dimension, you got zombies or infected behind you. He goes, yeah, I'm getting water right now. Hang on a minute, y'all. And then the zombies, even though I didn't talk in game and we were on Discord, all four of them turn around and see me, even though Dimension's right there in front of them and, and chase me outside. So it was more Dimension saving my life than anything else. Oh, that's sweet to hear. That is very sweet to hear. You know, it sounds like they're definitely after the season to me and less about the fresh one. <laughs> we were hunted by a guy in a military truck, though by a crew so we had to like lay low and sneak out i taught him how to roll in the grass so we rolled away from the road into the forest and we survived we actually logged off with everything on us That's but awesome. we were That's running really for a long time we were running for every time we thought we were clear we heard that truck coming back around and it was like <laughs> i love you man i told him if i die i'm not gonna be anywhere near you so good luck buddy <laughs> 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 definitely, definitely. Let's go ahead and talk about our hot takes. So first up, we have Red with a amazing hot take. Yes, yeah, so I want to talk about Only Up, which is a really fun mod. So Only Up is actually it starts its its existence as a as a Steam based game. Um, and it's kind of a Jack and the Beanstalk type of affair where you're trying to go up. So you're finding different things to climb on and jump to and roll onto using your in-game parkour skills to go up to ultimately to some top. <clears throat> so that same uh, concept was put together um, by Cubella Live, who's uh, of Banoff fame. Uh, put it together. It's basically through Daisy Editor, put a bunch of objects together and created this uh, uh, interesting little map world where you're running and jumping and climbing. And then, of course, at some point you'll fall off and plummet to your death and start again. Um, so let's take a look at a little video clip uh, that I did to kind of show... Uh, one, my lame skills, jumping and running and daisy, and then two, you can get a feel for uh, what this looks like. Oh, that beautiful footage. So here you are at the, at the starting point, and there's some just kind of little rules and, hey, contribute and that sort of thing, and then the again and better. And so you have to hop and then run up uh, this one of these little rails here. You can see we're getting higher and higher, so death is a certainty if you slip. And then again, more rails. And this, he's been updating it, so this recently changed. This used to be a bunch of, uh, like, pylons that you had to jump between. And it gets higher. He's got some designated levels, and then it gets higher, um, or tougher as you get higher. Uh, I actually did see that he tweeted out uh, not too long ago that we had our first. Uh, person that completed it 
Wow. And yeah, now this... is this scaled like the game only up? I, I don't know. I haven't played only up before. Oh um, man, but, only but up. It goes... <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Never mind. I'm looking at the falling guy now. Yep. Uh, it goes quite high. He he was pretty creative in the uh the different uh objects that he used. Um uh and, and I actually I was so interested in it, I offered to run a us-based server with only up so he was originally just had the one server that was in the eu and so nice. my ping was horrible on it so i so i asked him hey I've, I've got some space uh would you be interested in having me just set one up here and it'll be the us-based one so he sent me the he had the the map and stuff is posted on uh steam workshop but there's a note saying you know it's not intended for anybody to use um, so I just wanted to check in and he sent me the, the CE files and, uh, the little bits to configure it. And so we've got one set up in the U S as well. Oh man, I gotta give that a try. It's very addictive. It's also very, addictive. very frustrating. And that sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> yes. That is absolutely so, awesome. Lots of fun. And like I said, he's continuing to kind of improve it. Um, I wouldn't surprise me to see some other people do similar things with, uh, uh, you know, some other people that are Daisy editor aficionados um, going and, and putting one together. Just looks like a lot of fun overall. Nice. Heck yeah. Very, very nice. Well, uh, I think mine is talking actually about a little bit of self-promotion. Sumi uh, is our 10 concepts of survival game video. We actually just put this out this video. Because we're honestly here, folks, to try to make not only our channel about a podcast and everything else, but also to expand ourselves. Because we definitely want to reach out to more people and really bring more people into the fold to enjoy the survival games that we talk about and enjoy. Last um, week's episode about Pacific Rim really shined a light on how well the community actually really enjoys survival games. So we decided to make this video that is its own standalone, talking about the 10 concepts of a survival game. It briefly covers, within I think the span of less than 10 minutes, what 10 concepts we believe make a survival game, covering base building to world setting to open world to pre-generation or procedural generation. There are so many things that make a survival game awesome, and folks, if you guys have not tried to watch this video yet, you guys should definitely see what we actually think makes a survival game, well, a survival game. And I would normally have a hot take, but I couldn't really think of one this week. <laughs> That's right, sorry. Um, but let's go ahead and get to the meat and potatoes of this thing. Now that is a pun, by the way, folks. Um. But we are going to be talking about server owning for day Z. So, talking about server owning for day Z itself. Is it rewarding or is it punishing? Are there aspects to hosting a server, being a server owner, that people want to do it again? Or is it like, a, I tried it once, I'm done, I gave it the college try, we're over it. And it's really kind of an interesting thing. I went to Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and asked people some questions. 
We did get very few responses, but we did get some responses. And we'll talk about that in the community feedback later, because I do want people to hear from the community their actual opinions on this. Now, I'm going to be talking about my personal opinion as well as my understanding of this, because I used to run a server called Mudan DayZ. I ran it for over two and a half years. Love the death out on um, the death out of that. Red Falcon also has the experience. And Jarl, while not running a Daisy server himself, has ran other servers in the past, being Project Zomboid, Space Engineers, and some other various servers, which, while not directly again Daisy, do and show a little bit of light on what it takes to run a server overall for most survival games. So, let's go ahead and talk about what is it for uh, for server owners. What does it look like from the outside looking in as a server owner? Uh, you know, do they feel like we appreciate them enough from a player perspective or that they're providing enough um, of an experience for us outside of official experiences? Girl, what do you think about as a player? Do most server owners kind of meet the itch you got? They do. And I will say that's thanks in part to the modding community because I love Daisy. I have a lot of hours in it not necessarily standalone but i just played nothing but daisy on arma 2 for a long time and one of the things i look for in a server is what do they have to shake up the vanilla experience because i love the vanilla experience but i don't get the same interactions out of people on vanilla servers that i do on modded i really do appreciate the server owners that have very clear rules listed have the mods. And if it's something that I really think I want to bring my community to while I'm streaming, I'll even join the discord and ask around. Um, I always say, Hey, what are you guys thoughts of having a streamer on the server? Um, how's everybody's, you know, personality? Are there any issues with the server? And I'll just have a discussion, not necessarily with the server owner, but with them and the community. Um, and one of the things I look for for sure is whether or not a server owner has a good reputation with the players. Now, you mentioned good reputation with the players. What does that look like to you? I think my first, the first thing I look for is when I ask a question in community, how helpful and supportive the community is to the server's rules, like they embrace them. But also I look for the interactions between server owners and the community. Um, and once Discord I joined, for example, and I'm not gonna say who the server is, I was like, hey, you know, general griefing, is there like PVP or is there just over the top trolling that doesn't make the game fun? And some guys like, oh, yeah, there's not really a whole lot of trolling. There's PVP and stuff, but I wouldn't say griefing either. And then the server owner comes out of nowhere and goes, actually, you grief all the time. You camp people's bases and kill them when they're running around, even though that's kind of off limit, blah, blah, according to the rule. And I saw him rules lawyering a community member that was welcoming me to the group. And I'm like. Well, if that person's doing that, then why are they still here? <laughs> so I I tiptoed out of that. So there is a way you could test that relationship. Like, especially if there's some camaraderie and some discussion going on. Oh, oh Lieutenant uh, General Lieutenant Zombie says, hosting a server is fine. It's the players that break the, uh, that annoy us. LOL. Is that the server you join, y'all? I'm just kidding. <laughs> sounded like it <laughs> no uh and you know they're right and also at the same time it's kind of like a knife's edge uh depending on how and what kind of people you wish to 
server kind of can get a mix. Um, but I'm going to talk about how I view servers as a player now that I'm no longer running one. When I go to play on a server, I look for about three major things. One, like you said, are the rules clearly posted and are they easy to read? Two, are the mods and are the changelog of the Discord or the server pack, if they have one on the workshop, are being updated frequently? It shows that the server is active, it shows that they're doing things and um, such. And then finally, third, what have people in the past said about the server? Because I'm a very big stickler for admin abuse. If you abuse mm. your powers as an admin, I almost have no joy in playing on your server, and I will leave right away. Um, I can uh, state in one instance, it was actually in Project Zomboid, I know this isn't about AZ, but I once had a, 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 a server owner literally spawn me in a car, a, a rain barrel, and something else at a house I was trying to get. I didn't play that server ever again because I don't want to be given things. I'm here to play a video game and have fun. I'm not here to be handed something. If I wanted to be handed things, I would choose an easier server to play because that's the beauty of DayZ. There's a server for everybody. Yeah, and actually to your point with what I was talking about with like that relationship between the server owner and the community, that kind of goes to admins too. In that particular example I gave where the server owner kind of humiliated this guy who was welcoming it welcoming me in it tells me that maybe the rules aren't so clear maybe there's some hidden layer in there but admin abuse goes both ways i cannot stand servers where the admins are like oh man you've been dying a lot lately take this dmr or uh i spawned as a grizzly bear and chased the guy off for you uh and then obviously broke the fourth wall by approaching you and not killing you uh there's just I don't need any freebies when I join. That's the reason why I play Daisy is to rock myself to sleep in a dirty cave and wonder how I'm going to survive the next day. Um, but getting a car, that's that's pretty in-game. So I I'm with you there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, always Stream says transparency is key. You know what? 100%. Right. Transparency is fully key. And we're going to talk about actually from the server owner's perspective here in just a second. Uh, um, like with that note, oh, sorry. Uh, 330T says, as a server owner, it used to be hard to kick ban a player who's a nuisance, but then after a while, the support of an enjoyable players populate the server and it's rewarding. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I was actually a player on um, Dump's uh, server that he was helping run um, Nudon, and I think even Dumpgrog can attest that when I joined in, I was like, hey, I'm a streamer. Is this a streamer-friendly place? You know, I asked all the questions before I even set foot into the server. Um, and I always tried to join servers that don't have that admin abuse you were talking about. But you guys were very transparent, which is why I lived there for so long. And most of the community was very supportive of the server team owner team. So it, it's nice to see that combination. But I think that transparency that always streams was talking about, it's it's very key. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and I, I don't usually do this, but Red, do you have anything to add to this as a player looking onto servers? Um, as a player? Well, it's funny you talk about the, the rules and transparency, and, and conceptually, I completely agree with that. Um, but also, I've been onto servers that had uh, a rule list that looked like uh, a terms and conditions sheet from uh, some high-level product where it's 
you know, everything's spelled out. Again, I understand there are people that will abuse it and say, well, you never said I couldn't do that. You never said I couldn't be racist or uh, something like that. But uh, yeah, so I, I like to try to find something that's got a, an even balance um, of like, don't do obvious stupid stuff. Don't be a jerk, um, that sort of thing. But also gives you enough room to kind of just play your style and not worry about uh, you know, breaking a rule or having uh, somebody tattle on you or something like that just because you did something inadvertent. Um, that's really, and, and certainly servers I play on, I balance bounce between uh, wanting to do as close to vanilla as possible and just kind of play the, play the pure daisy experience and then really exotic modding. So I have a, one of the servers that I run um, I, I, for a while I've had one server, no matter what map it was, where I tried to do some weird things on it, like, uh, um, like having a, a boxing, boxing ring, ring that turns into a skydiving platform, like having a boxing <laughs> ring. Well, it's those little skydiving obelisks. That was one that, uh, somebody had me put together for fun and I just scatter them around in random spots and it's just the stone. And you, it's like a stone obelisk, little, like maybe a meter high. And you walk up to it and you get a prompt that says skydive, press F. And people go, I want to skydive. And you press F and all it does is teleport you a thousand meters in the air. <laughs> oh my gosh. My, my favorite part about that was I was sitting there, you're talking about the gloves in the boxing box. I turn around and I see the obelisk. And before I could even ask what that is, Red's like, what is this doing here? <laughs> Who put I, this know, I here? think his first his first words were like, "No, bad dump. <laughs> Don't touch it." Um, but uh, really yeah, I've had I, I had a back when Iztec was uh, still an active map. I had an Iztec server where I put. You know, I'm running one of the AI mods, um, and I've got them um, at the the airfield, kind of the main defense point. They were wearing the. Uh, the ODST Spartan armor and shooting the uh, the railguns or the Gauss rifles, um, you know, skeletons. There's a bunch of just crazy creature mods. I ran a bunch of the uh, mods from Dino's Bino that had like the tiger and things like that, the dinosaurs. And then uh, the newest one that, <laughs> that got put together is a Teletubbies Infected. So it's uh, models oh of the Teletubbies. Oh my god. That um, is taking me back to Lefferted 2, my guy. Like Lefferted 2, they had it to where they were all Teletubbies. It was yep. terrifying. And some, uh, they have the little Teletubby sounds <laughs> and they kind of just all blend together. So it's hard to tell what they're saying, but you get the tone of the voice. And then for the, the <laughs> call to arms or the part where they throw their arms up and shriek, it's an Aztec death whistle sound if you if you haven't heard that look it up on youtube it was an actual whistle that sounds mm -hmm. like somebody screaming, screaming like you're ripping their heart out of their chest yep and probably that, i've, I've seen those before those are terrifying so wow. uh so yeah that's I, I, like i said like to get a little crazy um like to play on servers that have some different mods the japan server was a really interesting one um just lots of fun, creative stuff out there. So that's what I'm looking for as a, as a player, for sure. Nice. Well, let's go ahead and flip the roles. Let's go ahead and talk about what does it feel like being a server owner, looking out onto the community and the player base, and why? 
why do when you feel these things? We're going to talk about basic things like ticket systems, Discord, moderating, staff balancing, you name it, taking feedback, whatever. So I can actually go first on this because when I was running New Dot, I ran a hardcore survival-based uh, server with organic RP. Folks don't know what organic RP is. Organic RP is basically just vanilla DayZ. We encouraged people to RP through mechanics and other systems, but we never forced it through rules. Now, when I say we were hardcore, I don't mean we just made the CLE a little bit harder than vanilla. We actually fully integrated all of our mods and stuff. As some of you folks may know, my ammo making, melody forging, and leather crafting were all mods designed to help players have more choices for the harder environments that we made. Um, now, role-playing and or RP is technically role-playing. Role-playing is the act of essentially kind of, well, for lack of a better word, whatever, if you ever see Yaro play on Daisy by himself, he likes to play some interesting characters. One of them is a salesman who will offer you chicken, but call it by its proper name, or the Italian name or whatever, and tell you about how he beats it because his mom gave him a recipe or whatever. And it's hilarious RP because he really gets a good character, <laughs> right? No, no he, you're right though. And there are times when I join a server, I'll look at chat and I'll go, "Who are we playing today?" We have we have Mel. He's like a, a New Yorker uh, mechanic that always has to fix stuff, and he's like, "I gotta do this again. I just fixed this yesterday." He's always complaining. Uh, we have Joey, who's like a stereotypical Brooklyn Italian mobster. And my goal is to find people, give them Italian names and say, now you're part of the family and just see who goes with me. But yeah, it's, it's basically uh, anytime you role play or you RP, you just take on the identity of a character and you roll with it, whether you're serious or not. Um, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, which can lead to amazing interactions and some other um, interesting situations. Um, but that's the kind of server that I was running. And we had our trials and tribulations. You would think that a lot of hardcore players want more hardcore features. But like I believe um, you know, many people have said, including some of our comments just right now, it's not always just go ultimate hardcore or ultimate easy mode. It's, it's such a balance and it can be so problematic because I think when New Dawn finally shut down folks, I had filed, completed, and properly addressed more than 6,483 tickets. And yes, I remember how many tickets it was because I handled almost every single one of them. But it was what was needed to properly run a server. Because if your players don't feel like they're being heard, they cause a lot of problems for you. Yeah, <laughs> they don't just leave. About that. I, when my first oh. server I ever ran, I didn't have a moderation staff. I didn't have a server owner team. So when things happen bad in the server at, well, I don't know, five in the morning and I was sleeping, you go back at nine in the morning like, oh, I can't wait to see who's on the server today. Complaints all down the board. You have to fix the server. So I go in and I immediately fix the server. And then there's just people are like, can you give me back this? Because the server turned into a madhouse and started burning everything down. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, then we talked about admin abuse. And you have to, like Jarl said, if it's not just you, you have to properly hand out powers 
And if people see your admins abusing, oh my gosh, you will literally rule the day that you were born if that happens. And it may not even be true admin abuse. It may have been they accidentally saw your admin handling a proper ticket and helping someone who properly needed help. And they thought it was admin abuse because guess what? Speculation and observation can really miscue facts. Um, and, you know, some of these things could be problematic for server owners. Uh, they can really make owning and running a server very difficult. Like you're all set, you wake up first thing in the morning, there's a shit fest on your, di um, on your Discord. And you have to read through all of it. Because if you skim it and you miss some vital information, you look like you're playing favorites. And that's just not fun. But there are positives to running a server. And uh, I would have to say... That most days it was waking up and seeing people playing on the server, people mm -hmm. enjoying the server, right? Like seeing the stories, people talking about what they want to do, even people talking about possible scenarios they can do with the fun mods that you've cultivated or made from scratch for them. Um, there are so many cool things that can happen on a server if you run it properly that can make running a server, while yes, sometimes a nightmare, also kind of a dream. Oh, I, I I can get behind that with all the passion of my being because my favorite thing about running a server isn't just watching the players who play it. When you create a server, you do it in your image. You think in your head, what would make DayZ the coolest game? What would make Project Zomboid the coolest game? How do I take space engineers and make it more of a Battlestar Galactica simulator? How do I do this? Then you customize all the mods, you make sure everything's working, and all of a sudden you've catered a playstyle to essentially a world that you're trying to dungeon master. And it's such a fun thing to watch people go in there and walk away going, you know, I really like the server. And to hear people say that they favorited it, it's just amazing. It definitely is. Oh, oh, we have a message from 330T. Yeah, update drops when you're on vacation and you have to remote into the server to fix what broke on your phone while in line for a ride at Disney. Folks, what 330T said is very true when it comes to core Daisy updates and or even mod updates. Mods, you have yeah. the mods automatically update. But um, thankfully, uh, we are able to plan around these quite a bit. We are plan able to plan out what breaks, but we are able to know when a update is dropping at least, most times at least one week in advance. But like uh, 330T was kind of saying there, sometimes it's just inconvenient no matter what you do. Yeah, and you gotta I would really say... read between the... Oh, go ahead, Red. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I was looking for a gap to jump in there and didn't want to use my Falcon Screech. <laughs> so... That's an interesting thing as also being a modder, obviously, um, that mods will drop at almost any time. People people update mods whenever. Now, I actually, as I saw the subscribership on my heli mod especially got quite large, um, I started thinking about, well, I don't want to negatively affect the experience of the server owners and the players by dropping some mod when the server owner is going to be asleep or whatever else. So I actually did a poll and said, what's the least sucky day and what's the least sucky time for me to push updates? And especially when, like, when, for example, the boat mod came out, Red, Fal Red Falcon Watercraft, I was doing updates frequently, like weekly or bi-weekly, because I was adding a lot of features. 
Um, and so we landed on a particular day, which was a Tuesday um, in the morning between 8 and 9 a.m. Pacific. That was like the least impactful. And so I really try to stick to that schedule to try to give that kind of reliability and people can know, okay, there may be an update coming um, on that day. As opposed to just ah. randomly in the middle of the night where your server's locked up because you're not hosting it in a way that uh, it automatically updates. Yeah, and also some pro tip advice for anybody who plays games or like myself streams games, but also for server owners, you should have the experimental public beta test available for every game that you play in your library, especially if you're a server owner, so you could see what's coming in the new update and what might you get an idea of what might cause conflicts within your server, especially since with this release of 121. When we were doing the podcast right in the beginning, we were like, oh, yeah, the experimental servers are great. We love them. That's where you post your feedback. And I remember getting a message from Dump less than a week beforehand. Oh, my gosh, Daisy 1.21 drops on this day. And I was like, what? So it's key for players of any game, but especially server owners, play the experimental. Have that foresight because at least you know it's going to comes so that when it just kind of drops like 1.21 seemingly did uh you're least prepared for it and you can tell your staff and your community hey we don't know when it's coming but it is coming yeah you're also really right about that and i think that that actually deserves a little bit of a further exp expansion upon what he's saying folks if you are a daisy server owner please look on youtube for how to set up your own local servers and make a clone of your own server this will greatly help you test future updates to your own mod packs and mods that you're willing to add to your server. Because not all mods work together well, and by having a local server that is literally a mirror of your live server, you can test whether or not new mods are going to corrupt things, break things, whatever else. Also, like you're always saying, when you get the Daisy Experimental server, you can also throw all of your stuff on there and find out what mods break and report it to the mod right. authors. Many mod authors don't know about their things going to break because, like you, they also have all sometimes lives outside of DayZ. So reporting them to them ahead of time gives them a warning that they need to fix these things, which means your server might be up hours ahead of time if you actually report them properly. And proper communication server owners. If you're going to be dealing with mod authors and you want to tell them, hey, I've been playing on the experimental on a clone server, because that's what I have. I have one for my Space Engineers Project Zomboid. I always have that test server that only I go in. Be nice to the mod authors. Be informative to the mod authors. Be thorough with the mod authors. Because just like you panicking that this update is blindsiding them, don't be your players be better than that and make sure that you work with the mod authors and you're very clear to say hey i know we all have busy lives but i wanted to give you this heads up so that you don't walk into a boiling pot overflowing on the stove oh that's very true and you know what guys we've been talking about the player's perspective we talked about the server owner's perspective and you know what i think us talking about the mods is a perfect opportunity for us to actually go into the challenges that server owners face outside of the community mm -hmm. and customer service of it. What does it actually take to run a server just in server files alone? Like how hard is it to work with the mods, making compatibility work, the XMLs, which are what control the economy and introducing map edits and etc. So I'm actually gonna go ahead and actually just pull red right in here because 
Red actually actively runs servers right now, and he can talk about a little bit where I'm a little bit outdated. Yeah, so uh, between the servers that I admin and co-admin, and then having some popular mods and getting new server admins coming in saying, hey, how do I use your mod? Um, what I would say, number one, if you're a new server admin or you're thinking about it, or even if you've been doing it in a while, but kind of floundering, go look on YouTube for resources like scale speeders, um, tutorial videos. There, there's a few people that have them, but scale speeder has a really broad catalog that'll walk you through the XML files, how they work, how to configure them. Um, he's even done some specifically on my helicopter mod of how to install it, how to configure it, how to set it up so that the helicopters spawn on the map instead of coming in a trader. Um, and, and really take it upon yourself to go educate yourself with all that basic stuff before you just pop into a mod uh, discord and say, hey, help me make this work. Or I copy pasted mm -hmm. the example files you provided and they're not working. And then I have to come back and say, okay, they are, as you stated, example files. They, you know, there's an expectation that a server admin has basic knowledge of how to manage the configurations of their server. So that's the first thing is just make it easy on yourself. Educate yourself up front. There's lots of resources out there for the basics. Um, go take advantage of them. I agree. And, you know, there are other things to consider, too, folks. Uh, I can honestly say is, and I, I've done actually a video about, like, what does it actually take to run a Daisy server a while ago? And one of my core things is the foundation of your server is your admin team your a way of handling things designing clear and specific ways on which you're going to work is very very important for you to actually get the point across when you're actually doing things and between what i've what you mean you're all said about rules and what red has said about rules remember there's a gray area for everything so i always lean towards the more simple rules like red was saying and just make it clear that these are up to interpretation from the server owner, but try to be as fair as you possibly can because you won't predict everything and you'll find a lot of people know how to write that line just <laughs> enough that it's not breaking the rule, but man, they're getting close. So having a good admin team really helps you with that. And remember, part of a good admin team is a united front. You cannot have an admin team where one is disagreeing with another publicly. That will never work. That's absolutely true. The The other piece kind of in there is don't get too soft-hearted on the players. You know, everybody, as an admin, you always want to help the players and make sure they're having a good experience. And you alluded to it, uh, actually you said it directly, you know, where you had admins come and say, oh, you're building a base? Well, here's a bunch of base building stuff and here's a car and here's a generator. And it's like, no, I want to, I'm here to play, not to just have it given to me. By the same token, players will always cry about, I was at so-and-so place and I was ambushed or I ran into a bunch of zombies or there were bots and I got killed and I'm trying to get back to my body to get my gear. I had a whole bunch of really good gear and I got to get back to it. The reality is in Daisy, you're going to lose your gear. Don't fall in love with stuff. Uh, don't get too attached because it's going to happen. You're going to die. You're going to lose your gear. It's the way it is. Plan for it. Set up little cash drops. 
set up, you know, something like that so that you know, okay, I got killed, let me run back here and I can get at least some BDUs and a, and a you know, an M-lock or something like that uh, pretty quickly rather than having to regrind. But let the players experience that. Don't give in to them and, and try to make it, oh, I'll just teleport you back to your body, that's fine. That, that you're, That's you're, an interesting point you bring up too because I think people don't realize that Daisy is a roguelike game. Like you die, you start over. There is no, ah, uh, you know, I stepped away to go get the dog that was barking at the delivery guy. Can I get my, no, no, you can't do that in, in any other roguelike game. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, and you know, and there are uh, so many other things to running a server. One of them is have a key idea of what you want the server to be. Now, mind you folks, this is a slippery slope because I just said what you want it to be, but remember to listen to your players because there's no player. Um, there's no player who wants to be told, this is my server. If you don't like it, leave. You will not grow a player base like that. I have seen plenty of people who... I have seen plenty of server admins have that attitude, and you know what? My first response is, even if I'm not the one having beef with them, is to leave. Because I don't play on servers to be told, this is my playground, go F off. I play on servers to have fun. Now, mind you, I know that that is contradictory. But if you're looking to have a public server, you're opening yourself up to a public view of opinion. If you wanted to have a private server for you and your friends to run around with, put a password on it. it takes five seconds. But yeah, always have most of the servers I... Most of the servers I run are community servers, so I tell everybody the premise first, like in my Discord. It's always password locked. It's not open to the general public. And I also go through a year or two of testing before I fork over the money, because one thing people don't realize for server owners is if you don't host server there at the place of where you live, you're going to want a remote server or something like that. I don't have a secondary computer that can do it. So obviously when my server goes live for the community, I'll be renting a server. Um, that costs money. And then you want to get people into the server from your community. If you're making a public server, you've got marketing expenses and things like that. You got to pay for those banners, the logos, and you have to just know what you're getting into before you get into it. Because being able to plan for that stuff will actually help you run a more stable community for the people who join. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, Red, do you have anything else you would like to add to all of this shenanigans about server owning <laughs> and running and stuff? Nope, we, uh, I, I had to drop the drama bomb, but uh, no, I don't have anything more dramatic to add um, other than I think uh, set your expectations uh, about why you want to run a server. Um, like for myself and the reason I get into modding and all that is because that's also part of how I play. Like I mm -hmm. like, you know, the creative part of putting a server together, of making it challenging, of having fun, doing some wacky things um, with the mods. You know, that's just part of my enjoyment is uh, being able to expand the mods, create new mods, do interesting things in the game. Um, if you're not enjoying it, if it's a grind, then probably time to move on or or you know really do some some introspection as to why I want to do this. I don't get caught in the trap. Always make sure you're having fun with it. 
um, even when it's hard. I mean, fun can be hard, yeah. but uh, yeah, definitely look at that. And the costs, like you said, you know, you can you can get a a fairly simple server on like GTX or something for maybe 15, 20 bucks a month. Um, I think starter dedicated hosts. That's what I'm running is about 150 bucks a month, and you can run a couple servers on there, and then they go up from there as to you know, I know some of the bigger server farms that are, you know, running 100-person servers, they're paying like five grand a month for their server fleet. So it can get pretty expensive. So always take that in mind. And is this is this just a hobby that I'm spending money on? Do I actually want to try to uh, make it at least a break-even um, with donations or whatever else? And then how, you know, walking the fine line around that, so... Definitely, definitely. And you know what I really want to hear from? Dave. Hey, Dave! Oh. Yeah, you, oh. you too, buddy. It's nice to see you. Uh, so what's been happening? Uh, how's it going? Uh, yes. Uh, so so you, you were overhearing our conversation on uh, server ownership. Uh, do you have any opinions on that? That's fair enough. Yeah. Dave, I figured that you would be quite uh, awful quiet about this, but I actually also thought that you'd be very happy to say, state that good, full servers are good servers. It means more meat. But, you know. The buffet. Uh, but I did ask around our community, uh, folks, and the question I proposed to our community was... What input and stories can you share as a server owner to help us better understand your trials, whether they be accomplishments or failures? And would you do it different, um, do it different again if you could? So on our Twitter, we were able to get one response from the myth, the legend, the person himself, Minder. Runs the Karma Crew servers that we actually did our live stream on, and it was actually really nice to see him reach out and actually answer our question on Twitter. Miner says this about server owning and his overall opinion. Understanding the needs and wants of the player base can be very difficult. That's why it's important, in Miles' opinion, to stick to your personal design choices for your server. Some people will like it and play it. Others will move on. Server owners should listen to the community, but don't parrot. Now, I had to look up what he meant by parrots because words sometimes elude me on their meaning. <laughs> what he means by parrot is by definition when people use it in this way it doesn't mean just an animal it means to follow or to speak the actions or words of others um so i thought that was kind of interesting because i got a i got a little bit of a vocabulary lesson from him at the same time as his feedback <laughs> my part of the country we call that being a yes man <laughs> oh yes um and then we also got a comment from a person who runs the daisy down under servers over in australia or one of the uh, main admins bison and he said this is his response kind of in bullet points but i'm gonna read it anyway daisy players are either herbivores or carnivores you need a healthy population survivalist herbivores to sustain the carnivores pretty much saying you need a balance between pvpers and pve survivalists and stuff like that don't spend too much time on quality of life fixes Players don't notice when things work, and Bohemia will fix those things eventually. Uh, 
Having a mature team that trusts uh, that you trust 100% is key. If in a game admin decides to show off, it can be um, disastrous to the image of your entire community. Avoid the common meta. Be unique and stand out from the crowd by doing things differently. Just because something is popular doesn't make it good. I have the I've, I've had the best results when I stuck to my guns and implemented my vision better than implementing the wishes of the loudest complainers. This actually goes to something I always say. The minority doesn't always speak for the majority on most servers. A major part of your player base are quiet players. It means they usually don't participate in Discord or anything else. There was a large por a portion of my server back in the day who never even joined our Discord, mainly because of the drama the uh, small player groups that once thought they had a voice caused. So these are all really interesting points, and it's really, well, good to hear about them. However, we did get one that came in right at the last hot second, I think literally an hour before. And this is from a former player from Dugan himself, called Jinka. He uses, uh, runs the Wild uh, Path servers, and this is his input. When we started Wild Path, we didn't know a lot about the backend processes that run the server, but we did have a really clear idea in mind of what we wanted our server to be. A lot of what we learned has been through talking to other server owners and modders in the DAISY community, as the official tutorials and walkthrough, walkthroughs presented by BI were lacking. We were lucky enough to know someone prior to starting a server. We were new Dawn players for a few years beforehand, and they have really helped us get off to a great start. And answer my questions we have had along the way, sharing a lot of ideas, concepts we have not fully thought through. Takes a lot of work to put it together, but sometimes just feel uh, feels different when you load into a Stacy server and it's yours. It had, uh, I feel it has been well worth it, especially when we get feedback from our players and saying how much they love the feel of the server and enjoy spending time here. My advice to anyone who is thinking about starting a server is to have an idea of what type of server you want in mind and to stick to it. Don't be afraid to ask for help from those who have already been in the community. Everyone is welcoming and happy to help newcomers. The only thing I would have done differently is I would have started this project sooner. So that's awesome. Those are our, our three responses. And folks, remember, folks, when we ask these questions and everything else, don't be shy. We embrace and support the, the questions and the things that you put forward. We often get people such as 330T in chat posting in our Discord questions and what, looking for answers. And we are more than happy to answer him and or be part of a conversation. These are all important to us. The reason why the community feedback is part of every single show is because we want to hear from you folks. So the more engagement we get from you folks, the more and more we can engage with you. And like I listed off here, Arma Crew, DDU, and Wildpath are the three servers that responded to us. You should definitely check them out. Karma Crew is a well-balanced server with uh, improvisations and improvements upon the vanilla system in Minder's eyes. Uh, Wildpath is a hardcore server that goes to more of the survivalist and enjoyable route. And DDU servers are over in Australia, so you don't have a won't have a bad thing if you're on that end of the world. And kind of has a good balance between hardcore, but not too too hardcore. And before we wrap up, just remember, even if you have an idea that you may feel conflicts with ours, for example, Minder had a very different idea, which I'm typically more aligned with than, say, um, Dump, when we were talking about always kind of making sure the server is what players want. Like Minder was suggesting stick to your guns and 
and keep your original idea in place. Even if it conflicts with our ideas, we still love hearing that feedback because it helps us talk about it and elaborate on it. Yeah, remember, folks, uh, you know, what, what do you call it? Uh, the conflict of ideas often sparks quite a few more of them. But let's go ahead and uh, wrap this show up, folks. I really appreciate that everyone has been here. We appreciate everyone in chat, the few commenters we have had, and the others that we have not been able to address. Overall, I think that this was a good episode, kind of shining a light, not only from a player's perspective on server owners, but kind of what server owners feel towards their players. And I don't think it's actually a bad thing. I think that from what I have gathered from being a server owner, listening to Red, and a little bit from Jarl of outside uh, server hosting outside of DayZ, and the comments we just got from our community feedback, most people actually like running a server, and they're happy to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. So, who knows? Maybe if you're interested, maybe you want to. Or folks, who knows? Maybe one day if we have enough interest, we might spin up some survival servers ourselves. You never know. Yara, what's going on next week? Next week, we're going to be talking about Sons of the Forest in depth. It's been a while since Dump and I got to play it, and... We just realized it's been massively improved from lunch. So we're going to take a look at that, what updates have come out, the quality of life of the game, and what kind of hopes we have for survival games that are going into alpha release this year. We'll see you then. Ta for now. Well, folks, thank you very much for watching our video and this podcast episode. Please like and subscribe, and it definitely helps us when you do. Please remember that you can also comment down below, and who knows, maybe we'll read or talk about your comment in our next episodes. Folks, I also want you to make sure to thank our staff members, being Yarla Goats and Red Falcon. Yarla Goats streams on Twitch quite regularly, and Red Falcon is responsible for the Red Falcon Heli mods on the Daisy Workshop on PC. We are happy to have you folks here, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.